Hi, fellow classmates, instructors, and friends. This is Ginny, your humble TCM student who knows absolutely nothing about this field, but wanted to start this audio journal to record everything TCM. If you would like to join my study group as well, please come learn with me. And let's get healthier by healing our bodies from the inside out holistically together. Hey, Kuko fam, thank you so much for tuning back with me for another study session. Today, we have a very special guest. She is another practitioner that I found, and luckily, she's located in Toronto. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting her a few times already. When I found her online, I reached out to her, and she was just such a kind and caring warm person. Even from our very first phone call, she was explaining things to me, asking me if what she explained makes sense. And I just felt like she truly cares about spreading the word for traditional Chinese medicine. And I love that about her. And as we discussed further, she asked me why I wanted to start this uh, podcast or these journal logs. And basically, I told her, because I feel like it's something that not a lot of people have tapped into. And I, for one, would love to understand more about traditional Chinese medicine. My parents, my grandparents, like my ancestors, have all been doing these things, but I want to know why. And I think as a Chinese person, I should. I should try to understand and learn more about my own culture. And as I learned more, the more I was impressed about this ancient science that we had. I know a lot of you might think it's a lot of hocus pocus, but at the same time, Desiree is going to break it down a little bit for us in terms of why it might sound hocus pocus and why it's actually not. Everything relates back to the Western medicine as well, but um, Chinese medicine has been here for more than 2,000 years. So whatever the studies were before, obviously we didn't have the greatest technologies back then, but the philosophy and the understanding was already there. And it's so impressive to know that our ancestors from way back when have discovered all of this already to the philosophy of life and the philosophy of health. And it's just so remarkable that we're only just trying to understand it more now. And I think it's something that if you are interested in getting healthier yourselves, I think it's good to know as well. It's just tips and tricks here and there, but I think it would benefit us greatly in the long run. So enough rambling on. <laughs> uh, I know that this episode is actually going to be quite a long one, and I had to separate it into two parts, uh, part one and part two. So we will be talking to Desiree from the first one and the second one, and we're going to go through her expertise today. In regards to her expertise, which is acupuncture, from why you might want to consider doing it to what it's good for to when it's good for. And there are actually so many things that you could potentially cure with acupuncture that I had 
absolutely no idea about. Did you know that if you have depression or mental issues, that perhaps acupuncture can help with that? That was shocking to me because for me, I'm like thinking, okay, that's that's mental, like. Because I'm coming into this still a more Western point of view than an Eastern point of view. So, for me, I'm like, no, you can't cure <laughs> mental issues, or you can't help with mental issues with acupuncture. But actually, you can. And she's going to dig a little bit deeper into why. I think. Part one and part two is going to be very fun、uh, and very interesting to learn about all of these different treatments and perhaps which one is right for you if you are considering and trying. I hope you would consider to try at the end after listening to all of the benefits that this brings. And I actually have a surprise for you guys at the end of our study session with Desiree in part two. So please stay tuned, and I will announce what the surprise is at the end. So let's get started. I was wondering, have you ever felt muscle pain? For the ladies, have you ever had irregular periods, or even periods that never came, or it was too long or too short? Or maybe you're considering prepping your body for a baby. I'm sure you might have felt some of these once in your lifetime. So in TCM, there are different types of treatments to help balance the body, and one of the popular ones is, you guessed it. Is acupuncture, but within it there are actually several different types. By applying these methods, there isn't just a one approach that fits all, and even within each method, there are slight variations between China, Japan, and Korea. I know Desiree, you actually do practice acupuncture on a regular basis. So, can you actually let our listeners know what acupuncture is? I know it's a lot of needles. <laughs> <laughs> Very good question, Jenny. Okay, so acupuncture is the primary form of treatment that a registered acupuncturist will perform. It's the insertion of fine, sterilized needles into the dermis of the skin. So we go through the outermost layer of the skin, which is called the dermis, and we usually go right into the muscle layer. So this can be anywhere between a few millimeters to a centimeter to maybe even half a centimeter, and depending on the part of the body, we could actually go in as deep as an inch. Uh, to two inches to three inches, right? Now, not to worry. Not all needles are inserted perpendicularly. Again, based on which area of the body you're needling, you can go in at a 45 degree angle, or you can actually go in right flush with the skin. So basically, just sliding it、uh, horizontally under the skin's layer, right? Now, these needles very important to note that when I say they're fine, we mean they are much thinner than、uh, the Needles you might be more aware of, right? So they look nothing like a, a syringe, for example. When you go to give blood,、uh, they're about the width of a strand of hair. 
Uh, they usually oh, made wow, out that's really thin. Very, very thin. Uh, and I think this is the most common misconception out there that uh, they must be very fat, uh, as thick as the ones that that we would use with a syringe, which, of course, the thicker the needle, the more the body feels that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in addition to this, the material. So uh, most needles uh, that acupuncturists use are stainless steel. They're individually packed and they're one-time use. Now, this is more of a safety side of things, right? Once we've used them on you, we would safely discard them. The needles themselves are very flexible in nature as well. Uh, so again, from a safety point of view, if, if let's say I would never expect any patient to lay completely still uh, for the uh, complete duration of a treatment, if you needed to move your hands, the needle will usually bend with you. Uh, this is not to say mm-hmm. that a patient should start walking about and get off right the table, right? And you've got to stay still. Right. But for the most part, there is a bit of flexibility to it. So, yeah. Nice. So when you mentioned about inserting it underneath the skin, like into the muscle part, like what are you actually activating? Like, can anyone, <laughs> I'm not just saying like, can anyone just stick needles in them? But like, what does it actually promote when you poke needles into <laughs> Like, is there certain areas that you that you put? <laughs> Very good question. Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Okay, so acupuncturists work with a map of the body, and this map charts out uh, specific points. We call these acupoints, right? Now, these acupoints run along uh, certain energy pathways. In Chinese medicine, we call them meridians right? But if you were to think of it from a Western point of view, I would say that these meridians actually flow very closely in a similar path uh, as the nervous system and the lymphatic system, right? Uh, We often say that most acupuncture points either lie in crevices or mounds around the body. Now I have to say over here for a sa- as a safety yeah. point that not everyone should be poking themselves. In fact, <laughs> this is very, very dangerous. Um, acupuncturists go through years of schooling to make sure that we understand the body's anatomy. Each point, as I said, comes with a particular recommended depth and angle that we must follow in order to keep our patients as safe as possible. Now, this depth, obviously, there is a little wiggle room based on how big uh, the person in or is or how thin the person is. But more or less, you really need to be trained in order to insert these needles. Right. But I hope that answers your question. Yeah, we are looking for specific yeah. points. And these points are called acupoints and they lie along those energy. For sure. Okay, so... <laughs> I can actually felt for that because I came to you for a few treatments already. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes. I, I was actually a little scared of needles to begin with. <laughs> so I completely yeah. understand. When oh my gosh. I, when I usually take my blood or have a needle, I usually need to like look away or need someone to hold my hand. I'm just a baby like that. But when you are actually treating me, First of all, you're like so warm and friendly. It just puts me right at ease. So when I'm relaxed, when you were inserting the needles, like majority of them, I don't even feel. And unless I'm like thinking about it and 
it kind of freaks me out because I'm like, oh shit, she's actually putting needles in me. And I tense up a little bit. And then when you insert it, I could feel it a little bit, but that's just totally on my part (laughs) for getting nervous. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, overall, I have to say the experience was um, very calming and you provide such a nice, uh, calming environment so I'm completely relaxed and it just feels warm, basically. It, it, it feels really relaxed. I, I feel like I'm at a spa, really. So, yeah, I, I think it, it was a good experience overall. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. And you know what? You're completely right. I feel that the biggest misconception about acupuncture is that it is painful, right? Now, um, I wouldn't lie to my patients. There is always a level of discomfort anytime a foreign object breaks through the outer dermis or the outer uh, layer of skin, right? Because this is where most of the blood vessels and nerve endings are. However, I will say that acupuncture, especially if you go to a, a trained acupuncturist, the experience should not be horrific. Um, Once you've passed the outer dermis, the pain should really disappear. You're right in saying that most of my patients will forget that they have needles and once I put them in, then the issue is to try and get them to stay still, right? Because the needles have to stay in there for at least 30 minutes. So to get them to stay still because you forget that a needle is in um, a particular joint or a part of the body, right? Uh, Now, upon insertion, the discomfort should never be any more than, let's say, a mosquito bite or a a quick flick off off a finger, you know, or a quick little pinch. Um, It really shouldn't be as painful as people anticipate it. Again, I would say experience is the best teacher. So I always invite a person to come in and try it out for themselves. Uh, And then once they know, they know. Most patients will actually fall asleep on the table before I finished inserting all my needles. So yeah. That's great. I hope I can get to that point because I'm still a little nervous, but we'll get there. You will. (laughs) Oh my gosh, for sure, for sure. Uh, Okay, so for acupuncture, like what are the popular symptoms that acupuncture can cure or promote in your body. I know it's supposed to balance your chi, right? But what else can it cure? You know, I've seen stuff where it's for fertility or it's for uh, muscles, but like, can you kind of dig a little deeper on that? Yeah, of course. So acupuncture is really a holistic approach to uh, health, right? I think in our last session, we talked a little bit about how the main aim of uh, an acupuncturist is always to keep you and your body healthy and strong, right? Um, fixing a body once it is actually broken down is, is a byproduct of today's society. But fortunately for us, acupuncture can actually help the body maintain its own healing processes. Mm-hmm. Some of the common things that uh, acupuncture treats would be, you got it, fertility for sure, any kind of gyno or women's issue, men's fertility, women's fertility. I love treating emotional disorders. I will say that in the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic, 
most of my clients are, and patients are coming in more and more for stress, anxiety, insomnia, even depression, sadness, fatigue. Acupuncture is really amazing in helping body cope with such emotions uh, because we work predominantly with the nervous system to put the body into a rest and digest state. So when I say rest and digest, we're talking about activating the parasympathetic nervous system. So once you do this, you're able to turn off the adrenaline rush and help the body calm itself down. When the body is in a rest and digest state, it actually does a lot of the heavy lifting for us, as in it will heal itself. And acupuncture pretty much just stimulates and assists it to do what it is naturally meant to do. So that's really cool, right? That is really cool. cool. Oh, I didn't know that. You wouldn't think like acupuncture and like emotions like mix hand in hand you know like I would not think of oh if I had like a mental disorder to go seek out uh, an acupuncturist for treatments it's just wow that's amazing I would say I I didn't know that yeah I mean a lot of people don't know that and that's the sad thing but I would say that acupuncture is very very successful in helping people you know uh, deal with their anxiety and stress uh, especially in today's world right so in an urban space such as Toronto a lot of our you know corporate clients and patients uh, predominantly come in for emotions and you'd be so surprised that when the body is in stress uh, it actually could lead to so many other issues um, such as it could manifest as physical pain so you're stressed out at work a person will come in and complain about neck pain shoulder pain you know you're working on the computer all day and you're tightening up uh, lower back pain um, leg pain Um, and we're talking about specifically back of the knee kind of pain that some people come in with, right? Headaches, again, uh, pain related. So I would say the second area that I treat mostly in my practice would be pain, musculoskeletal pain, migraines, headaches, uh, very popular with acupuncture. What else? Uh, Oh my gosh, if you're stressed out, the first thing that a lot of women especially will come in with complaints about is dysfunctions of the digestive system. So I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the term, you know, you're stressed out and you feel a knot in your stomach, like your stomach is in knots. Yes. So again, this would be something that acupuncture helps with, um, supporting the digestive system. When your stomach is in knots, you could either have constipation or diarrhea or alternating symptoms where it's, you know, one day you'll have constipation and then diarrhea. Um, So acupuncture is really good for anything digestive related. We help with fatigue. A lot of people are overworked. You'd be surprised. I mean, working from home, it sounds really cool because you're working from home. You can sleep in. Uh, However, a lot of patients actually come in saying that they're no longer able to disassociate from their work, right? Because not only are you living 
in the same environment, but you're also working in the same environment. So what ends up happening to a lot of professionals is that instead of working shorter hours, they tend to work longer hours. Um, so a lot of us are yes. coming in with chronic fatigue symptoms. So acupuncture can help very much with that as well. And then lastly, the thing that I love, love treating, and this is because it runs uh, so uh, strongly in my own family, it, myself included, is things like insomnia. So in my personal practice, I, I love treating patients with, um, you know, symptoms of insomnia. So either you cannot fall asleep or it takes a really long time for you to fall asleep or once you're asleep, you keep waking up for whatever reason, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> wow. I, I, all these things that acupuncture can actually fix is it's crazy. It's like so it's magical. It's amazing. And I mean, this is just a small sliver. These are my favorite areas to treat, right? Acupuncture can go so much further and beyond. I mean, uh, there are some serious gurus in acupuncture out there, and they can actually help with things like strokes and paralysis. Yeah. Oh. And, um, those are major stuff. So major. Uh, there are hospital departments down in the U.S. that are now using acupuncture in place of anesthesia and pain medication. So uh, for labor in in uh, in place of epidurals. Thank you, epidurals. I was like, I think yeah, yeah. You know the the, the really <laughs> painful injection in in the back. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, acupuncture yeah. is being used for for uh, pain control during during birthings. So yeah, it's it's great. Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing! Wow, I have no idea. I think there was one story that blew me away was when you mentioned that when you were practicing uh, acupuncture with a mentor that's here uh, and it's Korean, and you guys were treating someone that actually had was it disability or like he, the person wasn't able to walk he was right? a paraplegic you're right he was a paraplegic yeah. and yes i highly recommend uh, i don't know if i can give a shout out but can i give a shout out yeah of course oh my gosh yes so i worked with uh, an acupuncturist uh, sthu you at complete balance here in north york toronto and uh, mm -hmm. she specializes in uh, scalp needling. It's a, it's a specialized scalp needling technique. Uh, the mm -hmm. scalp is considered a map of the body all in itself. So you can actually treat any part of the body with just scalp needles. Again, it's highly specialized and I would consider Esther a guru of acupuncture. The patient that I was witness to uh, was a paraplegic and over the course of two semesters, I was so honored to see him make such a vast improvement to the point where he could actually shuffle down the hallway uh, with the aid of a walker and um, yeah. with us, of course, surrounding him to make sure that he didn't fall. But to witness someone be able to walk down a hallway with acupuncture is quite remarkable, right? That's incredible. That's incredible. When you say two semesters, is that basically an entire year? Uh, would it be? No, it would be about eight months. I did two internships. Oh, wow. Yeah. From yeah. not being able to walk to shuffling down the hallway. That's exactly that's really, right. That's a short time. 
That's incredible. That is a short time. And I mean, don't disregard, of course, he must have been doing other therapies in conjunction. In fact, I know yeah. he was doing physiotherapy as well. But what I'm saying is that acupuncture did have a huge hand in it. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I wish him all the best. Like, I, I actually don't know what he's doing right now, but it was quite incredible to be witness to that. Very inspiring as well for a student, you can imagine. So, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's so incredible. I was going to ask you the next question, but I feel like... uh, Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) It's kind of silly now because I was going to ask you, like, why is this so important? And what is the difference between someone who goes and gets treated versus someone who doesn't? But I mean, from all the benefits that you just listed out, it's clear that perhaps you should really incorporate this into your regular schedule as well if you go for massages if you go to see your chiropractor regularly i think you should add in acupuncture as well because it could solve so many different issues in your body i just think that's the way to go if you go once a month you should go once a month (laughs) exactly and again you know what it's a great question jenny because I feel people are so caught up in their busy lives these days that they forget about self-care. And I think the last two years, again, have been such a great lesson for us uh, because we've seen uh, we've seen firsthand what could happen if we don't invest in our own health. Mm-hmm. And uh, for acupuncture, the unfortunate thing is that nothing we do sounds or, you know, like at at first glance or face value nothing we do sounds amazing (laughs) you know I'm either I'm sticking you with needles I think I had said this to you as well I was like I'm either sticking you with needles or I'm scraping you with something I'm sucking your skin into a cup or you know like I'm burning stuff on or near your body nothing I do sounds nice it all sounds very aggressive and I think that um, that keeps a lot of people uh, a little afraid of therapy however the reality is that that the experience is quite different right um most people fall asleep on the table they find it very relaxing acupuncture invokes that sense of rest and digest so you end up feeling very relaxed at the end of a uh, of a session yeah the difference between a person who comes for acupuncture versus a person who doesn't now i i will never say that acupuncture is the only way to go i'm not one of those I say that it is more important that we invest in our in our health. So whether you do it through meditation, you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner, you do yoga, whatever you may do uh, to keep your body in that balanced state uh, is good enough for me. However, what I will say is that acupuncture is a very effective way of helping your body stay grounded and functioning at its prime. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I mean, (laughs) acupuncture is only one method of solving so many issues. And you have so many other methods, like moxibustion. Am I saying that correctly? You're saying it. You're saying it perfectly. Thank you. Moxibustion. Like, what is that? So, oh my gosh. Okay, moxa is a heat therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is one of the therapies that falls under traditional Chinese medicine. So when we go to school for training, moxa is something that we are actually taught along with needle therapy. The one that is most recognized today would be needle therapy. Right. 
Uh, however, if you go out east to China or Japan, moxa is just as widely known and used as needle therapy, right? So let me tell you a little bit about moxa. Yeah. Uh, so moxibustion is the therapy's name. But the herb that we burn is moxa. Moxa is another name for uh, an herb called mugwort. Uh, now, when you burn this uh, herb, either near or on the skin, it emits uh, infrared heat. And as we know, infrared heat uh, travels deep into the body and is very nourishing. Um, a lot of our techniques in Chinese medicine uh, not only hits the symptoms, the signs and symptoms, but we oftentimes will diagnose for the root cause of any illness. Moxa works with uh, nourishing the body from the inside and essentially aims at fixing the root cause. Love That's that. it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you said, like, when you go out east, they they love using moxa as well. So would they actually use moxa in place of acupuncture or is it used in conjunction all the time? Really good question. So any of the therapies that we are trained in can either be used as standalones oh. or in conjunction. Now, my favorite way of using the modalities is in conjunction with each other. You can think of it as fingers of the same hand. They all kind of work together to make something beautiful. In the case of Moxa, what I usually do is uh, based on what the patient needs and their diagnosis, I will usually gravitate towards a Japanese style of uh, Moxa, which is considered the gentler, one of the gentler forms, right? So I would stick the needle into the acupuncture point and then at the base of the needle I'd put a tiny little bit of burn protection cream this is only a safety precaution and then on top of that we burn a tiny tiny bit of moxa it's about half a grain of rice size so it's really really small and you kind of burn it at the base of the needle on top of the burn protection cream and the heat that that is emitted is is almost negligible I would say right because it feels almost like a little spark of heat nothing worse than a little bit of oil that splatters when you're frying an egg let's say but that heat will then penetrate deeper into the muscle and skin layers and spread uh, the spark is not really from the moxa in my opinion it's really from the needle because I'm burning it at the base of the needle and the needle acts as a conductor of heat pushing the, the heat deeper right so yeah. I mean, I had experience with that. You did. And I have to say, I have to say I loved Moxa. It kind of really just felt like when you were doing it at the different needle points, it honestly just felt like a warm, cozy hug. It really does. It really <laughs> does. And then you build on that grain, right? So we could go yeah. up to three to seven cones or, or like little grains of moxa on top of each other. And the more you build, the warmer you feel. That's only one mm -hmm. technique of moxa. And I also use Korean moxa cones, which I put in a kind of like a dim sum container. I use this yes. on the abdomen a lot to warm up yes. the area. Uh, I love using it for ladies who are suffering from menstrual issues uh, or for fertility. We're literally warming up the oven. If you think of the bun in yeah. the oven kind of uh, saying, we're warming up the 
the oven, getting it ready for the bun, right? Uh, getting getting the blood flowing in the uterus. Um, so yeah, moxa is really good for that. It can also be used for any kind of cold issues. So if a patient came to me and said that they had circulatory issues and it was basically cold hands, cold feet, uh, you could use moxa to warm mm. up the extremities. Older uh, or elderly uh, patients will come in for moxa treatment, uh, again, because they're having circulatory issues. It's relatively safe right. and gentle, so it can be used in many different forms and with many of the other modalities. We would use moxa in conjunction with needling. We could use moxa with cupping or guasa or even body work like shiatsu and, and uh, tuena, right? So it works really well together. So moxa alone, like what does that promote? Because you said in acupuncture, you listed a bunch of stuff that actually helps. Is it the same things that would help as well? Because you said it could use in conjunction. So I could just assume that it would just enhance on that treatment. But on a standalone, like what what would that do? You did mention that it would help fertility. Um, is that the only thing or is there no. more to it? No? Um, okay. So whenever we talk about any of my modalities, yeah. uh, the, the primary aim is to uh, encourage the smooth flowing of chi or energy in the body yeah. and blood flow, right? Yes. So... If you come to an acupuncturist, that would be what we are. What's the main aim, and then the modalities help us reach that aim. So mm-hmm. if if you came and I did needle therapy or moxa or body work, we're pretty much working towards the same goal. So right. in that way, moxa is working towards invigorating blood flow, a blood production, and the smooth flowing of energy. And when we talk about smooth flowing of energy, if you're thinking from a Western perspective, we're talking about the, um, the nervous system again, right? So we're uh, trying to get the nervous system to, to spark correctly, to send those electrical impulses in the right uh, format through the body, right? Right. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we were thinking about moxa in particular, some of its unique functions, its most unique function is this warming um, function. So it, yes. it works to warm and nourish things from the inside. And a lot of the times, warming the body from the inside will unblock uh, blockages that are happening in the body. Wonderful. These can be energy blockages yeah. or they can be actual physical blockages, such as um, we have a saying in, in Chinese medicine that you can have a blockage due to phlegm buildup in the body. Yes. Moxa can melt this phlegm. You have to think about it from a metaphorical point of view. We're not talking about physical mucus, though it could be. You could be talking about, you know, like a cyst, which might have some sort of phlegmy kind of uh, mucusy uh, buildup on the inside. But for the most part, we're talking about a metaphorical phlegm blockage in the body. Moxa can help clear that up and it can help warm joints. It can help uh, invigorate blood flow, nourish the uterus lining. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Some of the, yeah. I, I hope that so helped. Magical. That's very, yeah. very broad and high level, right? No, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, like for me, I've never used Moxa before. So it was definitely the first time using it with you. If only I have more insurance, I would come more often. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it was such a great feeling. And I remember the first time I went to a session with you, you actually tried out all of your modalities on me. So one of them was cupping. And going into this session, I can't say I'm the most scared about cupping, but I've seen so huh? many pictures and they yeah. are... I have to say they look a little violent and a little scary, you know, like because it's like sucking right. into your skin, and you also see people yeah. like putting fire into the the cup and then putting on your back, the cup. <laughs> and, and then it like sucks up your skin, and sometimes I see liquid coming out, and it's like scary and it's gross. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know what? Um. I feel so sorry for that. This is what I I had. Uh, this is what I was referring to earlier. None of what we do sounds or looks sweet or gentle, yeah. right? I mean, and your uh, case in point, cupping is the perfect example because oftentimes, with I think with the help of things like the Olympics and social media, cupping is probably one of the modalities that are becoming most popular. Strangely enough, amongst all of our techniques and. And you'll see all these pictures uh, of athletes and actors and famous people popping up all over the place with these circular bruises, usually on their back. Cupping can be done anywhere on the body, but usually on the back and, and they're purple and they're they're dark and they look painful. And yes, there there is such a thing as wet cupping where you can actually draw blood in the cup. Wow. Right? And that looks scary, I know. It, it looks like um, a leech. <laughs> It looks, it looks like a leech, right? And and then there's the fire cupping, which looks, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw fire cupping, I thought, I want to try that. That's the one that I want to try. <laughs> but it might just be because I'm a little crazy. <laughs> but but, uh, but fire cupping, I mean, you, it seems like you're using a flame to heat up the cup, right? Mm -hmm. Which looks very dangerous. So I completely see where you're coming from. It's it's very scary and kind of traumatic, actually, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but we've tried cupping, Jenny, yes, have we? Yes, we have. And I have to say, pleasantly surprised. It felt so good. Right? Because when you actually <laughs> put the, the cup onto my back, you kind of use this technique to move it too. And when you move the, the cup while it's like sucking into my skin, I guess, like it actually feels like a massage, which was really nice. It is, it is. Perhaps I can explain a little bit of cupping techniques and um, maybe put some of those fears to rest. Hopefully, again, I, I always say come in and give it a try. And that's that's really the best way of understanding cupping is through experience. However, what I will say about cupping is that it is actually an ancient medical technique. It precedes the use of needles in Asia and it actually spread and it's used not only in Asia but also the Middle East so you can actually see hieroglyphics in ancient uh, Egypt wow. uh, showing cupping and I know many of the Middle Eastern countries till date have their own form of cupping as well so it is very very effective most recently um, become very popular with athletes um, now the reason why it's so popular with athletes is because the function of cupping, very much like any of the other functions, yeah. is to promote chi and blood flow in the yes. body. 
right? However, how does it do this? So when you go to a practitioner, they create a vacuum in a bowl-like instrument, right? Now, this bowl can be made out of glass. It can be made out of plastic. It can be made out of silicone. It can be made out of bone. It can be made out of wood. The first three are usually the ones you'll see in any Western clinic. So we're talking about glass, we're talking about um, uh, silicone, and we're talking about plastic, right? You can either uh, create the vacuum by using a pump and sucking out the air, or you can squeeze the air out with the silicone cups, or you can create a vacuum in a cup using a bit of fire by burning up all the oxygen in the cup, right? And this is usually done with the glass cups. Yes. The practitioner will then go ahead and place the cup on your body, and it sucks, the vacuum sucks a, a bit of your skin and fascia into the cup. Now, when we're talking about the sucking, it isn't like, oh my gosh, we're, we're pulling your skin right off of your body. It's a tiny little bit, relatively speaking. And the and a trained uh, practitioner will actually know exactly how much um, suction should be used on particular parts of the body. And there's always a conversation with the, the patient to make sure that they're as comfortable as possible. When the fascia and the skin is sucked into the vacuum, it creates a um, space between fascia and bone. And this space then allows for energy and blood flow. Those marks that you see that are so, so famous, here's what I will tell you about those marks. They don't happen always. They don't happen to every patient. We use the markings as a diagnostic tool. So rule of thumb, the deeper the color, the less oxygen and blood flow to the area. So when you see an athlete with these huge purple circular bruises, um, which are not bruises, by the way, they're just the cupping marks. Now we know that, right? If we see them as purple, you know that that person uh, has been exercising, there's wear and tear, the muscles are tight, so there's restriction of, of blood and oxygen flow to the area, and therefore the color is purple. Now, oftentimes I will place a cup on a part of the body, let's say the back, and I take the cup off and there is no mark at all. This basically just means that the area has healthy blood and oxygen flow in that particular spot. So there's no need for the the color to happen, right? And uh, the marks are not painful. They look painful, but they aren't. They last about three to five days, depending on the person. And then they completely disappear. They're more like a hickey, really, than, than, than a bruise, right? Because a bruise happens when you push into the body. Um, whereas uh, the cupping marks happen because we're sucking the uh, skin into a vacuum. So a bit of yeah. a ramble there. I apologize, I, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I love it. I love how you're debunking this for yeah. us because because it does look very violent, and I think people need to know it does. It does. <laughs> it actually is very therapeutic oh. when you actually do it. And I didn't even have any marks. Um, I, I did. I did have marks, but it wasn't like crazy. Um, crazy like purple marks as you said because I don't think we left it on for that long it was just more so for me to kind of feel it out and I really did enjoy that yeah exactly I really did 
I think、uh, on your Instagram, I think I saw you post a picture of、uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Oh my gosh, doing he it! He made it so famous, <laughs> right? <laughs> he had all these like circles on his back, and I was like, "Ooh, whoa, that looks a little painful." But you know, as you said, they're actually not bruises; they're just, as you say. Hickeys. Exactly, <laughs> and and you know what,、uh, hickeys don't sound amazing either. But really, they're just little suction marks, right? Yeah. Yeah. People have actually told me that cupping is not only great for musculoskeletal relief, so we do use it predominantly for that, right? You come in with a sore back, we can use cupping. It's it's really effective in relieving tight muscles.、Um, however. This action of cupping the the suction, it, it actually affects the nervous system in a very strange way. It does activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Oh, and. Puts you into that rest and digest state. So again,、uh, you can see this pattern, right? Every modality that we use, <laughs> we're trying to make you rest and digest,、yeah. right? And even the purple marks. When you see these purple marks, it's pretty much the body signaling to itself that it needs to heal that area. So we're we're invigorating、uh, the cells to go into the area and regenerate itself. Basically, right. So much like a bruise. So a bruise is the same thing, right? When you have a bruise, it turns purple, and then the body will send its uh, its uh, fixer cells to the area to to fix itself.、Yeah. Same thing with cupping. It'll do the same thing. Oh. Whew. Whoa. That. Was very long, and I know. Thank you for sitting through it and listening through it. That wraps the end of part one of introduction to the many different types of acupuncture on how to balance your yin and yang, plus have a healthy chi flow. Again, if you have questions about treatments, please reach out to Desiree. She would be more than happy to help assist you on your health journey as well. She definitely could provide you with a consultation to see what you need for your body, and just hit her up. Ladies, please stay tuned for part two because I'm sure you don't want to miss this. Who wants to have? Younger-looking skin without surgery.、Hmm? I do, and she's going to tap into one of the popular phenomenons that we are currently encountering in society, which is cosmetic acupuncture. We're going to talk about how it would help with wrinkles and making your skin look glowy, dewy, everything you want and love without needing to put on highlighter. Isn't that beautiful? So please stay tuned for part two, and don't forget at the end of part two study session, I'm going to make an announcement, and you won't want to miss it. If you like this episode, please give it a like. If you would like to hear future episodes, please subscribe. Or if you have any questions about health, please send me an email at kuko dot health. At gmail dot com, which is k u k o dot health. If you just want to say hi or drop me a DM on Instagram, come follow me at kuko dot health, which is again k u k o dot health. Thank you so so much for listening to me today, and please stay warm, 
and healthy out there. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.